Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. are Dr. Carla Sofka and David Lamont. Carla Sofka is an Associate Professor of Social Work at Siena College in Ludenville, New York. She has an interest in how museums serve as healing spaces for people who are dealing with major public tragedies. On the show, we will debut the song, A Place to Go, written by David Lamont to honor those who died in tragic events. We will discuss with David how he came to write the song. David is calling in today from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to the show, Carla and David and Gloria. Hi, Carla and David. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for it's having me. It's your pleasure us. to be with you. And David, we particularly appreciate your calling clear in from Australia. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, I think, huh? Wow. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to, to be home in the U.S. In, in some sort of virtual way, at least. <laughs> you said that you've been a musician for years, so you're used to getting up in the middle of the night, huh? That's right. 2.30 in the morning doesn't scare me. No problem. <laughs> Okay, well, let's start a little bit here with Carla, and hi, Carla. Heidi and I met Carla at ADAC, uh, Association of Death Educators, and she told us about what she does, and we were so intrigued with it, we asked her to come on the show, and we also want to tell you that we have Carla on YouTube, and we now have David's song, A Place to Go, um, at the beginning of her YouTube spot and the end, so you'll be able to hear more of that and see more of it on our YouTube site, so we're excited about that. Well, Carla, tell us a little bit about your, the work you've done with museums. Well, it all started back in the fall of 2002 when I got a call from a history professor on my campus who thought that I should get in touch with the curator at the New York State Museum because Craig's job at the New York State Museum was to manage all of the sympathy materials from the 9-11 tragedy that were starting to come into the museum for a permanent home. And since I've had a long-time interest in helping people who are grieving, the history professor thought it would be a perfect match for me to spend some time working with those artifacts and helping in any way I could down at the museum. And part of my volunteer job was to just spend time in the gallery of the 9-11 exhibit that's a permanent exhibit at the New York State Museum in Albany and just kind of watch and see what I was seeing. And it was during that time of hanging out in the gallery that I first witnessed how people were using the exhibit as a place to come in and cope with their losses related to 9-11. And I think the most poignant example I saw of that was a family who came in, two adult children and um, their mother, who came in and were spending time in front of a display case that had a portion of a sign of an office that was housed on about the 96th, 97th floor of one of the towers. And sadly, when the towers collapsed, um, their father and husband was on the floor of that building working for the Aon Corporation, and they really weren't able to recover any of his remains because he was just so high up in the tower. So they told me the story later that they didn't have, they didn't have a place to go, a traditional place like a cemetery, and they wandered into this exhibit and discovered this sign that used to hang above the corporate suite of that company in one of the towers and instantly asked if they could bring in a bouquet of flowers with one of this man's memorial cards to put on top of the case. And that's when I realized 
how significant something as simple as a museum exhibit could be when it was targeted towards something like the events of 9-11 and began studying how this happens not only in our gallery in Albany, but at some other important places like the World Trade Center Tribute Center in New York City and the Oklahoma City National Memorial and, and Monument for the bombing that happened in 1995. Mm -hmm. And so um, how did you get David involved? Well, it was interesting. I was at a conference on restorative justice in Texas in the summer of 2007. So you have to fast forward quite a few years. And the organizers of that conference did a brilliant thing. They hired David to come in and to sing his music um, before every keynote presentation. And then he gave a concert one evening as part of the conference. And as I was listening to him sing, his voice is incredibly beautiful, and the way he writes his songs, the words are very, very powerful. So I had this, what I thought, somewhat crazy idea of having a conversation with him to find out if people hired him to capture other kinds of things, because I thought it would be an amazing opportunity to try and write a song that would capture the power of museums as a place to heal, but also to educate the general public about what it's like for someone to experience a tragedy and, and how they need time to deal with that. So David, what did you think when she approached you? Well, it was really an intriguing idea. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I've been a singer-songwriter for a lot of years. I've put out 10 records of original music, but I, generally that comes out of my own life experience and little bits of inspiration that fall in here and there. Uh, it was a fascinating experience to have a topic like that to work from, and such a such an interesting topic. I mean, it's not um, it's not a traditional kind of memorial song in the sense that you know generally this, there's been certainly a lot of songs written about the events of 9/11, but they tend to focus on um, the tragedy of of losses directly, and this song touches on that certainly, but. It's also about, it's specifically about the museums as, uh, as, as Carla said, as a place to go, which ended up being the title of the song. Right, and, and, and uh, uh, the song starts out with you talking about a, a man sitting in his kitchen basically during seeing the 9-11 on television, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, I think I tried to leave it sort of general uh, so that it could be interpreted some other ways, but that's, certainly what I was thinking about. Um, right. And I, I'm, I'm a great believer in images, so I was really just trying to put the images out there. Well, you've got a huge image for me. I can see his coffee cup dropping on the ground, breaking, and, you know, uh, tremendous Im imagery. Well, why don't we hear some of that? Let's hear a couple of minutes of that, and then uh, we'll hear the rest of it when we go out of the show. Could we get that place to go? In the kitchen, the morning talk show on the network interrupted, and all his thoughts were gone. The blue sky and the black smoke, he couldn't hear the sound. His coffee cup and future lay shattered on the ground.
The smell of smoke and ashes The steel against his skin The photographs of faces That will not smile again He takes a picture from his wallet And he soaks it with his tears He didn't get to tell her He wonders if she a place to go to remember a place to go to make him heal he needs a place to go to hear the story and just to feel These long years later, he finds himself surprised. An old song while he's driving, and tears fall from his eyes. And it's not like he's not trying, but everything's a cue. And now the anniversary will be coming up soon. Something, someone, or somewhere safe. Somehow we have to name it, to claim it. Oh, David, that's an amazing song. It's incredible. Really uh, lovely. So what has happened with that, Carla and David? Have you, where does, has the music gone, and have you gotten any feedback from it from people in the well, museum? As well, you said actually, in, in teasing the show, you, you mentioned that uh, you're debuting it on the, on the show here. It's really just being released now. So a, a couple of really neat things have happened with it already, uh, but it's, it's really just going out into the world as we speak. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm honored. I wasn't sure when Heidi said that, that we debuted it. If we did debut it, but we did. That is great. Wonderful. Yeah, this is officially its, per, its first big public performance. Um, it has been heard by some folks in Oklahoma City and down at the New York State Museum, and they have a copy of it at the Tribute Center. And I'm not sure exactly what its journey will be like because they are being very careful, at least in Oklahoma City, to talk with the bombing survivors and the survivors of the, of the people who died to find out and make sure that, that it's being handled in an appropriate manner. They're very good advocates of the survivors and the families and want to make sure that they're honoring their wishes in this process. You know, um, I, I, one of the things that you say in there, name it, claim it, David, I love that. Talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I guess, you know, that, that gets into your specialty more than mine, I guess, but it, it really does. My undergrad was in psychology, so my, my heart is pretty close to the work you're doing, and I um, I feel strongly that, that that is part of the healing process. Um, telling the story is is just such a powerful way to deal with our grief, and um, and music is an is an incredible way to do it. 
Well, one of the things I was thinking about these museums, Carla, particularly for uh, some of the 9-11 families and some of the Oklahoma bombing families never retrieved remains. So uh, it is certainly a place to go from that point of view, too, isn't it? That's very true. I think I've seen, I've seen many, many times, especially when I go to Oklahoma City since that site uh, has a fully developed outdoor symbolic memorial that has a physical, tangible place for every family to go since they have 168 chairs in, in the actual, on the site where the Alfred E. Murrow building stood that has the name written on it of every person who died on that day. And on the anniversary, they have a memorial ceremony that's quite beautiful. And it's very common for people to come, family members and friends, who knew the folks who died and to put flowers on their chair, notes and letters. Um, there were children who died that day. So of course, you see stuffed animals and teddy bears and other things that are very personally connected with the memory of that person. And so it's, it's incredibly powerful, although um, for the Oklahoma City bombing, they did recover the remains of everyone who died. Oh, it's very did. different down at the Tribute Center, um, where there were, of course, you know, lots of people who never had any physical, tangible evidence of right. that death. But yet the site is such a powerful place for so many reasons, because it was, it was the place where they lost their lives. So it will be very interesting and important to see what happens in a permanent way on that site. And the Tribute Center now serves as a site where people can go. Especially powerful on that site is um, they have a tribute gallery that has floor-to-ceiling photographs and mementos of people who died that day. So you really get a very powerful sense of, of the incredible amount of loss that happened on that day. We, you know, with our music, is so fabulous, and we're going to go out with it. So we're going to have a pretty short segment. So I just wanted to say, put in a pitch for this. I know so many people have home memorials. Even the 9-11 families you've worked with, right, Heidi? Have home memorials? Uh, yes, they do. In fact, some of them have eternal flames. They've done amazing things in their homes, and they've gotten a lot of things sent to them. And we also have a 9-11 museum here. Well, an exhibit here um, on Central Park West, right next to the History Museum, which has a lot of archived things from the site as well, which is really powerful. So there are places that you might want to go, but on the other hand, maybe you want to have your own place to go. And I love the thought of using David's Place to Go song. And David, tell us about your website, how people can find you. I know you've, you've done a lot of music, so tell us about where we can find you. Sure. Um, all those songs are on iTunes, um, for starters. But uh, my website is davidlamotte.com. So if you can spell Lamotte, you can get there. It's L-A-M-O-T-T-E. But uh, there's a great page for this particular song that, that gives the whole history of the song and, and uh, allows people to buy it either digitally or in a hard copy on CD uh, at cdbaby.com. And uh, Carla was saying that all the proceeds go to the museums? Yes, this, David, right. David has graciously relinquished all his rights to the proceeds, and they're going to be distributed to the museums where the research was done that inspired the work. How fabulous. And Carla, you were saying you'd like people to get in touch with you? I would if, really love to know if people are finding this useful or helpful and how they're using it, using it. I think it's really important for people who do clinical work and educators like myself to have an appreciation and a sense for how music can help people who are grieving to cope. So the song, I think, is beginning its journey today with you're all hearing it on the radio. And it would be an honor for me to, to get a sense of how it feels to you if you find it helpful and how you're using it. So 
some of my professional colleagues in Albany from hospice are already telling me they're going to be using it in their work with individuals who didn't necessarily experience tragedy but can all relate to some of the, the aspects of grief that the song captures so well. And you can certainly send an email to me at cjsofka at yahoo.com and um, share whatever you're comfortable C sharing. C what? CJ? CJ Sofka at yahoo.com. Okay, S-O-S-K-A. That's correct. And you can also get in touch with us, and we'll get in touch with Carla for you. Well, we want to thank you so much for being on the show, David and Carla, and we're going to look forward uh, to going out of the show with this music. in the kitchen The morning talk show on The network interrupted And all his thoughts were gone The blue sky and the black smoke He couldn't hear the sound His coffee cup and future Lay shattered on the ground Smoke and ashes steal against his skin. The photographs of faces that will not smile again. He takes a picture from his wallet and he soaks it with his tears. He didn't get to tell her, he wonders if she a place to go to remember a place to go He's not trying But everything's a cue And now the anniversary Will be coming up soon We all lost something Someone somewhere You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.